B-Pod Studios. This is Talkin' Rock. Talkin' Rock. Your backstage pass to some of your favorite rock artists. Here's your host, Meltdown. Hey, thanks so much for checking out the Talkin' Rock with Meltdown podcast. Back at it for another fresh week right here on the big show. I do have some uh, interviews uh, lined up here. I know some concerts are coming around and stuff, and I've got some irons in the fire. So, uh, as always, follow, subscribe, uh, check back off, and that kind of thing. Guns N' Roses kicked off their uh, tour in Hershey, Pennsylvania over the weekend as I record this. And Brando from the Appetite for Distortion podcast was there. It's a podcast that's uh, primarily Guns N' Roses-centric, but he ventures off into different things here and there. Uh, But anyways, Brando was there, so he's going to give us an update as to how that concert went and uh, all the details coming up here in just a few minutes. But first, it's uh, Jack Blades, and uh, he's from Night Ranger. The new record and the band played on, ATBPO, is coming out on August 6th, this coming Friday, as I record this. Uh, I'm going to ask him about the Prince story. i got to ask him about that, right? It just came out recently that they weren't allowed to look at Prince when they gave him an award back in 1985. Uh, Damon Johnson, who played with them kind of, sort of, in the uh, Damn Yankees, texted me a little bit of information. I'll ask him about that as well. And tons more today with Jack Blades from Night Ranger. Jack, how's things? Good, Meltdown. How's it going out there in Detroit Rock City, baby? That's right. It's going It's going good. I mean, it's getting better now. we got the uh, concerts starting to line up. As a matter of fact, one of the live, the last live outdoor concerts I saw was you guys here with uh, Theory of a Dead Man, that outdoor show you guys played. I like it. I like it, yeah. I mean, we love, come on, we love your neck of the woods. We still call it Pine Knob. That's right. We don't call it DTE. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yep, exactly. So, uh, hey, speaking of concerts, before we get into the new record, I was at a concert that you did one time many, many years ago. Actually, 29 years ago. Let's see if I can jar your memory. I'm not even sure if you were actually still in the room, but I was at that Buffalo incident with Faith No More. Were you still there? No. That I was... don't think I was in the room. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about. No. You and Tommy Shaw were doing an acoustic thing, then Faith No More showed up later on in the night, and all hell broke loose. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, what happened with that? I never finally got the whole uh, the whole story on that thing. Well, Faith No More showed up. They were asked to do a couple songs. They went up on the stage, played some bizarre song. Next thing you know, Mike Patton's pants are down. I'm talking to Billy Sheehan, and his manager comes up and says his pants are down, and microphones were put in places they weren't supposed to be put in. And I was told that you might have actually left by that time. But I remember asking Tommy Shaw about this, and he like he was stunned. He, could, he, he remembered it completely. But anyways, I was just curious if you had any recollection of that night. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> I try to forget the bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's move on from that night, because I was told, like I said, that you might not you might not have been there. But a couple weeks ago, you guys played with Corey Taylor. That must have been cool. Oh, dude, Corey's the greatest guy. I mean, he's awesome. He's a, he's a, you know, he and I go back and forth and stuff like that. He's a, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, whoa, he's talented, dude. And I was, you know, we came to the show, and I was hitting him up. I said, hey, dude, we're playing together. It's going to be great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're at Rockfest. And so, so um, when, I, when I come, I, I went to the, you know, went to the, 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 the festival when I got there and went into Corey's, and we, we were all just laughing and joking and talking. And I said, dude, why don't you come up and sing? You know, he was telling me how much he loves um, uh, Don't Tell Me Love Me. I said, take the second verse, dude. Why don't you sing the second verse? He goes, I said, you need the lyrics? I can print them out for you. He says, I don't need the lyrics. I know them by heart. And I'm like, you're on, dude. So, so he and his whole band were watching the show on the side of the stage. And, and um, 
and we came up to Don't Tell Me Love Me, and I finished the first chorus, and I'm like, I look at him, I point over at him, he goes, you sure? He's like, like this, and I'm like, <laughs> I just grabbed the mic and ran, I took my microphone, went right out to him, just handed it to him. He came out, and it was awesome, dude. The, 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 the fans went crazy and everything like that. Corey, he's an amazing musician, man. A great songwriter, and he's a he's a hell of a talented person. Yeah, there's no doubt his his uh, music is so diverse from everything he does, from Slipknot to his solo stuff to a uh, Stone Sour. So that was a pretty cool story, you know, that you guys uh, got to hook up with him and 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 put him on stage. That's got to be fun when you know guys come and collaborate with you, right? You know what? That's what it's all about at this stage of the game. You know, let's just have fun. Let's just enjoy ourselves. Let's just have a great time. And that, and it makes a great time for the fans and the audience too. You know what I mean? When they see stuff like that happening, it's not going to happen every day. It's not going to, you know, it makes it special for everybody. So I mean, that kind of stuff is great. I love when that happens. Now, of course, you know, getting back on tour and playing, I'm sure is fun. But you got this uh, new record that's coming out this week, and the band played on. Uh, the first single is out, uh, "Breakout." Did you have fun making this record, or was it like uh, a little bit uh, more hard work than than normal with uh, COVID and everything? I'll tell you, it was a lot. It was a lot different because of the fact that we couldn't be all in the room together like we usually do. You know, we usually get all together in a room and jam on songs and come up with ideas and come up with songs and all that kind of stuff, and and then immediately go in and record them to keep it really fresh and exciting and and keep the spirit of the song going. But at this stage of the game, we couldn't do that. I mean, we did a couple of Zoom calls that were lame, but um, you know, and coming up with songs. Then we then we sent tracks around, but we really had to focus on making it sound like. We are all together, and I think that's what we accomplished. I think this this album has a has a great groove to it. I think it it's, it's, it grooves more than some of our other records. I mean, I'm really I'm really stoked that people are going to hear hear the the record in its entirety. Like you know, it's going to be out this this Friday, so I'm really pumped up that that everybody gets to hear the whole record. And the single I've heard so far, uh, Breakout. The thing that struck me about this is the uh, the multiple guitar solos in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, Brad came up with the song, and Brad came up with that music, and Brad had, like, it was like a real sort of, um, it was like a six-minute opus. I mean, there was a lot of parts to it, a lot of everything going on, and, and it was a lot of a lot of guitars, a lot of playing, because he, you know, he just came up with it in the studio and put this whole thing together. And so I said, he sent it to us, and, and I said, you know, we got to make it like a song, like kind of condense it, get the best parts, kind of create it, and everything like that. And then, so we had just the music, and and I was hearing that riff, and the riff is da 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 da. It's a great riff. It's like a "Don't Tell Me You Love Me" You know, it's like a "Don't Tell Me You Love Me" riff. And I'm trying to think. It's there's a lot of notes going on in that thing. So you know, on a chorus, what are we going to do? And you know, we're going through all this pandemic and stuff. I'm like, I just like to break out of all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I'm just I'm just going to go in there and sing "Breakout" and see what happens. So I just I walked in the studio one morning and just went. Over that lick, and I was like, "Break out! Come on, little sister, break out!" You know, I just and I'm like, "Well, that works." <laughs> and then I wrote the verses and and the the lyrics and the melody, and and, and the whole thing just came about. Now, uh, briefly, what does the rest of the record sound like for when when people grab it on Friday? Well, I think there's a I think it's a classic Night Ranger in every sense of the word. It's got it's got melodies, it's got double guitar harmonies, it's got Big ballads. Uh, there's a great ballad, "Can't Afford a Hero," and the other one, the other ballad that Kelly sings, Kelly Keggy sings a great ballad called um, um, uh, "Oh Shoot." I just spaced out all the songs. <laughs> uh, the hardest road. The hardest road. Um, that's a great, great ballad. And then you know, "Coming for You." There's a song called "Monkey." There's all kinds of like, there's just great stuff. 
I mean, the great, great Night Ranger, you know, so hard to make it easy. There's so many, so many melodic things on this record, but it's real, straight-up American rock and roll, which you're used to with Night Ranger. It's a classic Night Ranger record, and I can't wait for people to hear it this Friday. And, of course, uh, without being said, you can still rock in America with uh, Night Ranger, right? So, <laughs> but... You got that right, baby. Hey, a couple more things here for you before we uh, cut you loose. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, ballads and whatnot. And, of course, you know, high enough. I was doing a workout this morning, or at least attempting to, in my puppy in my gym. And that's a whole other story. But I put on the uh, the first uh, Damn Yankees record. And, I mean, you know, being here in the home of, uh, you know, Ted Nugent and stuff, that must have been quite a, quite a whirlwind <laughs> to play with Ted Nugent. Oh, it was great. I, mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've played the Whiplash Bash. <laughs> I think I... <laughs> You know, at Cobo Hall in Detroit, the New Year's Eve show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we rehearsed and we rehearsed out of Ted's place all the time, and we had like, you know, we're tied, you know, we're 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 joined at the hip with with Detroit and with Michigan and everything like that because of the damn Yankees and Ted. And uh, Damon Johnson's a friend of mine. He said to give you this best. He said the majority of the time he spent together with the damn Yankees with him was in 2000 at your house. He said he, you guys wrote a song called We Are the Ones that was a favorite of his that wound up on his solo album, and he's grateful to have met Jack and his awesome family. Uh, that's from uh, Damon. Damon, I don't know if you know is not, or not, is out touring right now with Leonard Skinner. Damon's playing with Leonard Skinner now, huh? Yeah, because I guess Gary Rosington had some sort of heart issues, so he's actually doing some dates with them. So, of course, you know, to him, that's like playing the soundtrack of his youth uh, every single night. Oh, man, that's great. And he's also playing with Michael Cardelloni, our drummer from the Damn Yankees. So that's wonderful. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that, was in, that was in late 2000. So I guess, I mean, the question you probably get all the time is, well, is there any stuff out there? Or will it ever see the light of day? You probably answer this a billion times. Yeah, it's not going to ever. No, nah, it'll never see the light of day. What's happening was it, it, it's just, it's all, it's all, you know, the good stuff on that record has all come out on different, like, records. I did one song on my solo record, Shine On. Tommy did a song on a Sticks record. Uh, Ted's put out some, um, a couple parts of it. I guess Damon put that one on his. And there's a lot of stuff like that. Just it's floating around. So that record will never ever see the light of day. Gotcha. And uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, and this came out a couple weeks ago, and I know you got some traction about. It. I asked Alice Cooper one time, a couple, actually a couple months ago, it was the 32nd anniversary of the time when he gave the Grammy Award to uh, to Jethro Tull. But you guys got to go on stage and do something. I think in 1985 with Prince, and it was just reported that you couldn't look at him or do. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Oh my God! Yeah, our, our manager got our management when they found out that that Kelly and I were giving the award for the album of the year, and of course we got a letter from Prince's office because that was going to be, you know, I mean, Purple Rain. They said we have a feeling that Prince is going to win this award um, for the American Music Awards and uh, uh, Purple Rain, and we understand that Jack and uh, Jack Blaze and Kelly Keggy are going to be giving the award. Um, under no circumstances are they to speak or talk or even look at Prince. Um, when they present him with the award, they're just to hand it to him and look the other way. They're not to speak to him. They're not to do it. So, so they put us, they sat us right behind him because we all had to go up on stage and everything like that. So when we got that, we're like, is this for real? Are you kidding me? That was the wrong thing to say to, to Kelly and me or to anybody. In our, I mean, that was the wrong. So during the whole show, Prince was sitting literally like, like in a theater, like right in front of us. Like right, you know, like the seat about a foot and a half in front of me was Prince, and his bodyguard, this big, big guy, little chick, was sitting next to him. So every time somebody won an award, I, you know, I pat him on the shoulder, going, "Man, dude, check that! Isn't that great, Prince? Man, isn't that freaking awesome?" And he'd like look over at me, all like, you know, eh. and you know, and then the next guy doing it, we're like, and Kelly'd be, "Oh, dude, how about that? Hey, Prince, 
we kind of rock his chair and shit like that. We just, you know, just messed with the whole thing the whole time. And then when we got, you know, we presented the awards, like I'm talking to him, handing him the award and everything like that. I mean, we, we, they should not have told us that. Everything would have been fine had they not sent that. So there you go. I mean, it's like, what, what are they going to do to you? Fine you or throw you in jail? I mean, it's ridiculous. So stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like F off. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, I'll tell you what. Thanks so much for the uh, time. And the band played on comes out this uh, Friday. Uh, no more faith, no more incidents, hopefully for the rest of your career. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Right. Right. Exactly. Hey, we're just really excited about the record coming out. ATBPO and the band played on, man. The new Night Ranger music, people are going to love it. I can't wait for everyone to hear the entire record. Awesome. Well, Jack, thanks so much, man. Great to talk to you. You got it, bro. And take care of Detroit for us. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. So somebody went and saw Guns N' Roses uh, over the weekend. Brando from the Appetite for Distortion uh, podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. And a lot of somebody's went. A lot of somebody. Yeah, so I heard there was, was there 30,000 people there? I don't know how big that place is. That I, that I do not know. I didn't do a head count. Uh, but it was, it's just as far as like optics, it was pretty packed. It wasn't like you couldn't move around, but I didn't see empty seats or anything. It was people as far as like, could see unless there were tarps covered, but I don't know how how that stadium normally is is structured. Being a New Yorker, yeah. Now they're uh, going to be playing here in uh, Detroit coming up uh, on Sunday, um, August the eighth, uh, and uh, they're playing at Comerica. So I mean, if they pack that place, that's probably that's probably around forty thousand or something along those lines. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. Of course, uh, I saw them for the first time with the in the 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 uh, the, the latest incarnation, I guess. Uh, back in 2016, when they they played at Ford Field, which I think was their first stadium show back, and uh, I've told Slash this before, it was just amazing to watch Slash and Duff kind of come to the stage, come to the front of the stage uh, during, I believe it's so easy, and all of a sudden it's like you know uh, Axel comes running out. I'm like, my buddy who was with me just gave me this gigantic bear hug, like we couldn't even believe we were seeing it. So I mean, it's probably a little bit different now. They've been touring for the last five years or so. But uh, tell me about the uh, show uh, this past uh, weekend in Hershey. And I had the same reaction when I first saw the reunion show. Uh, I believe it was also at MetLife Stadium, which I'm going again uh, this coming Thursday. So the the, the show at, at Hershey, I'm, it made me excited to go again to MetLife. So it's, I, I don't know how if you often travel much for, for shows, but this was like, you know what, I can do it. Three and a half hours, it's a Saturday, let's do it. So I went with my fiancé. And uh, we were, I thought we would be on time. And I want people to, to know this because they moved all the times up, the show dates. I don't know if you got emails from Ticketmaster. And this actually plays a role into, into the show itself. Because I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with, I don't know if Guns N' Roses Twitter is a real thing. But, uh, you know, people are kind of, it was a shorter set. There's all reasons behind this, which I, I will get to. Now, wait a second. So, hold, on, hold on for one second. So they moved the show times up for weather or what? 
So what I believe, uh, actually, I don't believe, I, I was told this, that there was, uh, maybe you can tell me in De- if it's the same in De- Detroit, there's a 11 o'clock ordinance, like a town ordinance. You can't have any sound or like loud, you know, noises past a certain time in that's pretty, yeah. That's pretty typical. When they played here, like in the in the closed stadium of Ford Field, uh, the uh, where the where the Lions play, they want it nine on nine forty five and finish up at twelve fifteen. So maybe that's okay. yeah. So so go ahead. So much different than back in the day because uh, I've become friendly uh, with former manager Doug Goldstein, and he said that he used to carry around like a briefcase full of money because <laughs> they know they would go late every night, right? You know, and actually didn't care, he right? Said, like just find out how much. So. Uh, I want, we got there a little after six and Wolf was, I guess they said showtime was, was at six. Maybe he came on six ten, So maybe, I think I missed the first couple songs and I got to say, you know, I was really looking forward to, and I, to seeing Wolfgang Van Halen yeah. like, for real. I thought they had a, had a home run when they announced the, uh, him as the opener. Because his voice is incredible, like it's he's singing live and it sounds exactly. You've heard the record already. Yeah, I've heard it a bunch he of times. Great record, yeah. Yeah, he was absolutely great. You know, he he loved to be there. You know, made a a point to say that it's hard for him to play distance, and you know, it's emotional to hear it. It's just it was fantastic, and it's just it's funny as you've somebody who's seen GNR, anybody who's seen them, especially back in the day. How much time is there going to be between the opening act and Guns N' Roses? <laughs> right. You know, can I? Uh, can I go do my taxes? You know, should I go home and come back? So I think this is what I think I, I want your, uh, I don't know if I apologize as a New Yorker, your Detroiters. Is that what uh, I yep, want people to know? Yep, yep, yep. There was actually a Comedy Central show, so I, I guess I should know that. Yeah. What they should know is because GNR probably came out seven-ish, so they came out maybe a little late according to like what they were supposed to come out. Interesting. Late. So hmm. they came out seven-ish. Uh, maybe seven thirty. It's it's hard to, I don't know. It's like two days ago, and it's, I, I feel like it's. I I'm still felt like I haven't slept properly since. Then. <laughs> so they did come out early. So they came out early, especially for them. And and it's early if you think you know if the doors are six, don't think they're coming on at nine. They're they're not. They're going to come out pretty close to when they they're they say they're going to come out. And because the reason I it was kind of odd. They come out, and you kind of painted a, a picture when they for their first reunion, Slash, Axel, uh, Duff, and then Axel were between them, and it's great. People weren't in their seats yet. They were like, it was still pretty full, but there were still a lot of people walking around. And it's the easiest playing. And what's funny is you see people just walking to their seat with a cell phone up so they can <laughs> capture it to watch it later, I guess, because they still have to go get their seats. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because uh, now that now that you do say that, I saw the show in Buffalo in 2017 or 2016 as well in that first tour, and uh, yeah, it was one of those things where um, they came on stage and it was clearly still sunlight out, so they were obviously on stage way before 9:45. I can't remember; it might have been around eight o'clock or something like that. But I saw them in Buffalo back in. Uh, 1992 with Metallica, and he mentioned the uh, briefcase full of money, and uh, they didn't go on stage till 11 o'clock <laughs> after Metallica. Metallica was off the stage for, I'm going to say, an hour and a half before uh, Guns N' Roses, and they played till 1 a.m. That used to be the case, and there's a lot of people who think that this is your your mom and dad's Guns N' Roses. Well, it's not. It's just not. So they came out, Axel's smiling. He, he's killing it. They're, they're, they they the first few songs, they're, they're, they're absolutely killing it. 
Uh, I won't give any spoilers. As, I mean, maybe if you are a huge Guns N' Roses fan, uh, you can maybe predict the set list. I will say they were pretty consistent as far as what they were going to do. I will give you a couple of, I guess, maybe inside things that uh, the, the scuttlebutt. There was a a leaked set list, and I don't, I never know what these things. Things can be photoshopped. I always take it with a grain of salt. Uh, and this, but that leaked set list was right on the money. I'm watching it, and it's going. And there is supposed to be, you know, if you're into the GNR like I am, new music or at least a new song or something they've been working on. Right. And that was on the set list. There, there are videos that exist of that song being practiced. What's called hard school. Uh, on it, when people were hanging out the arena, taping soundcheck, like the day before. So I mean, like it should be real. I, I don't know. I feel like until Axel says it's real, that that's what where my hesitation is. Because uh, as Axel once fa- famously said, the only confirmation is my love of Taco Bell. <laughs> he said that when they they uh, confirmed uh, Coachella. But right. he wasn't ready to confirm it yet. So anyway, yeah, so, that, yeah, it, it's so yeah. And, and just talking to you here, it's, you know, talking about new music. I remember interviewing Slash almost two and a half years ago now, and I, you may you may recall this or not, but he talked about how they were going to be going in the studio recording a new album. <laughs> yeah, they he's been talking about. They've been messing around with with new things, uh, passing around ideas. Uh, Susan Holmes McKagan, Duff's wife, uh, said in my podcast that that she's heard. Some uh, bits and boops, I believe that's how she phrased it, and she said it's pretty epic. Uh, so that was interesting for for Duff's wife of all people to, to to give me that nugget, to give us that nugget. But the interesting thing is, and why the show I think is going to be even better each night. And you know this in radio, you can test equipment, you can do trial runs, things go, happen, things go wrong. I noticed something during the song "Better" of Chinese Democracy. I said to my fiance, I'm like, is he missing lyrics? Because I find myself singing along, and I don't hear him singing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 what turns out to be, it seems like he's having issues with his mic. You see him go back, kind of like to the stage, look off. And I, assume, I, I guess you do more appearances than I do, Meltdown. Mm-hmm. There might be a switch on the microphone that goes from the PA system to you know, maybe his, his tech people. It seems like he's just constantly communicating to somebody off stage, and something's happening, and he looks like he's about to shake his head, you know, in frustration. But he really seems, other than that, he's smiling, he's having a good time, putting his arm on Slash, you know. He's you can see his, uh, you know, emotions really into it. But that seems to keep happening. Like he, he's just from that moment on, from the song "Better," on, uh, it just he just has having some issues. And I actually posted a, a video on on my Twitter, and I don't. I can't make out exactly what Axel says, but as he sits down for November Rain, there's something wrong with the mix. He's like, I can't, it's like, I can't hear the, the can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm asking this. It's usually people asking me. Yeah, that. right, right. Uh, you know, something with the, about the fucking keys, you know, the piano keys. That's what Axel is saying? Yeah, something okay. like that. But he's still joking throughout. He's like, you'd think we, we, we've done this before, you know, or like it's a, you know, it's a, we're a bit rusty, you know, kind of thing. So he's having fun. You know, he seems to got, and everyone got quiet when he cursed. Like, everyone did. <laughs> like, it was kind of crazy. Because, like, he commands that kind of power. But he went right into November Rain, and you see him, like, looking over. And I guess they adjust the sound, and he's, like, nodding his head. He's, like, a bit better. You know, it was, it was crazy. I kind of admire that, that somebody in radio, where things go wrong, 
sometimes you just got to call it out live. It is what it is. Well, and, and that, and to that too, it's like you know they're really playing music and they're really up there singing and all that kind of stuff. It'd be you know it'd be one thing if if he was like faking it or, or lip syncing or whatever right. the case is. So right. you know what? It's like you go to a live show expecting to to see some you know glitches and stuff and it happens and sometimes it's worse than others that show i saw in buffalo in 1992 his microphone was feeding back or doing something and he launched that microphone towards the sound booth somebody went home that night with a pretty cool souvenir you know and uh, <laughs> and it was it was like one of those microphones like the yellow windscreen or whatever he, you know he always has those colorful microphones sure and, and uh yeah he just launched it and it probably went about you know thirty yards into the crowd or whatever it was, but uh, you could hear it going through the uh, you know going through the air through the giant speakers. But you know, Axel does what Axel does, and uh, you know, I've had the good fortune to uh, interview him and stuff. He seems like a super nice guy, but I think that he's also a perfectionist, you know, and that's why I think that takes so long for some of these uh, records to come out and some of the Guns and Roses stuff to actually come to fruition. Yeah, there's a there's a lot behind it. You know, I, I've been fr- privileged, and I'm at the very early stages of uh, working on a book with the previously mentioned uh, Doug Goldstein, his autobiography, and just to, to learn from him. He spent 17 years with Axel. You know, and he kind of left it towards the end of Chinese democracy, uh, but he was there for the beginning of it. But still, he, yeah, he's a perfectionist, and he, he the way Doug phrases it, it's like the woman's pregnant. Like, let her give birth. Like, you're not <laughs> letting it happen, and. uh so it's 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 just interesting, but I think what needs to be noted, uh, because the show is still great, everyone is around around me is having a great time. Technical issues aside, even though you see a frustrating him at times, he's an absolute professional going through it. Because you know years past, he he could do a rant, he can leave, cause a riot. None of that is happening. Everyone's having a great time, and I I think that that needs to be pointed out. But I'm I'm just wondering because I mentioned earlier. Uh, the 11 o'clock ordinance, uh, I, I wonder if the set was cut a little short because of technical issues. I wonder if they were, if maybe that's why they were 10 minutes late. You know, again, they're early, but 10 minutes late <laughs> on that. Because I got an uh, email from Ticketmaster like a week before, and I was wondering why are they moving up the show? And I'm thinking, oh, maybe they're going to do more. They're going to do four hours. So that, it was a little odd that the one song are encore, because that's usually not their style. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh, I think also I got derailed a little bit with the the set listing and the new music. It obviously did not happen. You would have heard about that in the news, but I was waiting for it. So I think this is just an exciting tour. I can't wait to be, um, you know, back in my in, in the seats again at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. I say New York because I think you know it's where the Giants and Jets play. Yeah, um, yeah, it, they, that's a whole other conversation. Exactly. Like there's only one real football team in New York. Buffalo Bills. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not my fault. I don't represent all New Yorkers. <laughs> I got you. But, I got you. Where are you but, from, by the way? I'm. Uh, I'm. I, I like to say I'm from Brooklyn. Because okay. That's where my family's from. Even though I moved when I was one and a half, I just find it cooler to be a Brooklyn Jew than a Long Island Jew because I grew up on Long. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that makes usually makes people laugh. I mean, I'm glad it made you laugh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I grew up on Long Island, but I mean, my family's from Brooklyn, so I have a lot of that in me. But and now I live in in Queens. Uh, and I live in Queens, not too far away from my heart radio where where I work. But I'm currently talking to you in my home setup uh, in, in Queens. So gotcha. I'm at home. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Brando, thanks so much for the uh, info on the show. Can't wait. So you're going to see him again before I see him. But uh, we got the uh, date right here in the Motor City coming up. And, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses always seems to, uh, you know, do something cool here. We've done a lot of stuff with uh, Slash in the past. Uh, I know Axel's played here a couple times with, uh, you know, with the Buckethead, Bumblefoot, GNR, uh, you know, DJ Ashbon, the whole thing. And uh, I remember Slash doing a, an acoustic thing for us one time, and it was really cool. We were at, like, a like a bar, and it was just, like, radio station winners. And when Slash walked in, you know, it was like this this hush came across the whole crowd. Like, it was like royalty walking into this this club. And, I mean, there was only, like, I don't know, 40 or 50 people there. So it was kind of cool to see something like that, you know? Oh, of course. And especially since I haven't had the pleasure to, to meet him. But uh, from all accounts, like, he's, like, the nicest guy. And he's just not that kind of person that wants everyone to be quiet around him. He just wants to be one of the guys. But then again, he's... He's Slash, especially, I don't, I don't know if he was walking around with the top hat at the time, but he, yeah, he, he, he commands that. He's that, he's that kind of guy, that kind of, that legacy, and I hope as, as somebody who's a little bit younger than you in, uh, in this profession that I can know, I can one day grow up and I can interview <laughs> Slash and ask him just like you. Yeah, Slash is a nice guy. I remember um, he said something to me on stage and I, uh, during that acoustic thing that like kind of, he kind of, he took a dig at me a little bit, just in okay. fun, just goofing around. And and so afterwards, I said, "Slash, what are you what are you doing that to me for?" Or something like that. He says, ah, "I just add a little levity to this situation. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just being a dick. That's all." But uh, you know, he's he's been nice in in the years. I I interviewed him for the first time. I think it was Slash's Snake Pit uh, right wow. after he left uh, Guns and Roses. So wow, I don't even know if he had left at the time. But anyways, that's very cool. See, I got to interview the uh, the two former lead singers of Slash's Snake Pit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. That's 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 my that's, those are my name drops. Yeah, uh, Jackson and uh, why am I why am I forgetting the other one all of a sudden? Is it uh, uh who was uh is it uh, um drove uh, Eric Dover? Yeah, Eric Dover. Dover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you helped me. You helped me there. See? Yeah, I told you uh, off the air. I've been doing. I, I worked a morning show today, so I've been awake since uh, three a.m. as we're recording this, Ooh. but. You got me to talk Guns N' Roses, so you got uh, some energy out of me, of course. Well, well there you go. There's uh, That's one of us that's been up since 3 a.m. Well, I'll tell you what, Brando, thanks so much for the uh, time. Appetite for Distortion is your uh, podcast, of course, uh, primarily Guns N' Roses-centric, but you, you do uh, venture off, and I, I, I invite people to uh, check it out if they get a chance. But uh, I do appreciate the time, my friend, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon enough. Be well, okay? You got it, and I told you. I just interviewed uh, Derek Armstrong from the L.A. Kings hockey right <laughs> up your, your background. I've so never— degrees I, of, of GNR bacon. I talk a lot about <laughs> mental health as well. So, yeah, GNR is the nucleus, but, yeah, mainly GNR. No, that's awesome. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to give this hockey game a look-see because I've never really done it before, so— <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, good luck to your, your, your Red Wings. Go all right. Yeah, right. Well, I think we're going to be all right this year. So, hey, thanks so much for the time, my friend. We'll talk to you later. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Meltdown. And there he is, Brando, the host of Appetite for Distortion, the uh, podcast. And, of course, Jack Blades before that from Night Ranger. Like I said, and the band played on. Comes out on August 6th. The uh, new single's out right now called Breakout. And, yeah, that multiple guitar solo is kind of crazy. It's at least in three, maybe four parts if you get a chance to uh, check that out. So a really good conversation. Love talking to Jack Blades. First time I ever talked to him. And a super nice guy, right? Seems really cool. So, hey, check back. I've got some uh, more modern artists coming up as far as uh, interviews are concerned uh, in the near future. So follow, subscribe, that whole thing. Well, I do this all the time. I just steal the thunder from the guy with the big voice. 
All right. Come on, Pete. Do your thing. Thank you for listening to Talk and Rock with Meltdown. You can help this podcast grow by giving it a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple and iTunes. Plus, feel free to subscribe and share it with your friends. Until next time, thanks for listening to Talk and Rock.